All right, we've got to start with, with Sean Levy. Pracy this very briefly. Sean Levy, he confirmed this week, the BHA didn't, he confirmed that he had a saliva test taken at Sandown 10 days or so ago. That saliva test came back with an initial non-negative result, so he was immediately stood down. On production of a, a urine sample, which then took several days to come back, he was told by the BHA he was allowed to ride again. Many felt that this was an unsatisfactory state of affairs, that he had not been treated particularly well. This, first of all, is what he had to say to Niall Hannity when he made a winning comeback at Haydock Park on Friday. Eight days in the sidelines for, for no reason. Um, take us back to what happened at Sandown last week. Um, look, it's one of those. Obviously, we are randomly selected to do a saliva test. I'd done one on the day. Come up possibly for amphetamine. Um, as protocol suggests, I had to take a B sample, but that B sample had to be sent to the lab. And I was told I wouldn't be getting my results for f up to five working days, um, which I disagreed on. I asked could I take a urine sample, which, you know, out of a, after a bit of persuasion, I was allowed to do. Um, within 24 hours, obviously, taking the saliva test. That came back negative after eight days. Look, um, I'm over it now. Yeah. I'm back now. I've just wrote a winner. It is no doubt behind me, but um, at the same time, I think it's definitely worth looking at. So, and when the headlines come out, etc., and people add one and one to, together, and it, obviously, but I wasn't in a position where I could, yeah. you know, say what, what, what was what exactly what had gone on until I got that result back. But um, like I said, I think it's it's the protocol definitely needs to be looked at, and I thought it definitely could have been dealt, uh, dealt with a little bit better than what it was. Um, I'm sure they're going to meet up and find a way of, you know, doing the right thing going forward. A few of the jockeys have come out since, in the last eight days, said about the, the saliva test that they've thought and think there is a problem with them. Have you felt that before, Sandown? Yes, I have, no doubt. Um, but it's one of them, you know, we, we, we flagged it up ages ago when they first came out. But, you know, the powers of be were happy enough to, to carry on with them, you know, even though I'm not the first one with a, with a, with a, a false positive. And I think in, in, that, in that time, he, whoever it may be, um, lost the same amount of days. Yeah. I think, you know, for Christmas it was. So I'm surprised it wasn't, um, you know, the measures weren't taken back then to make sure that didn't happen. But now it's happened a second time. I'm sure that it will. Mm. He's been notable, Sean Levy, by the measured approach he has, he has taken to this and has, has been quite impressive in the last, in the last few days. Um, Rob, just picking up on what he was saying there about... Yeah, this has happened before, and jockeys have flagged up the fact that there was something unsatisfactory about these saliva tests. Was this an accident waiting to happen? I just think, um, you know, all the jockeys in that weighing room have no confidence in this test. And, you know, Sean um, you know, has gone through a hell of a lot in the last week, you know, not just missing out financially, but obviously the, you know, the stress of this, having known he's innocent, um, you know, it's just important. If you're doing these tests, you want to be, you know, uh, encouraged and confident that it's it's going to be correct and accurate and and I don't think they are accurate and um, you know it can be hugely damaging to someone's reputation career um, and Sean's handled it remarkably well but I, I know that there's a strong feeling in the weighing room that there's there's very very little confidence in these in these tests. Do you feel like you'll get as a as a group? Do you feel like you're getting enough support to make your case? Um, Probably not, else we, you know, we probably would would have it wouldn't have happened twice, and it's happened twice. 
you know does it happen does it have to happen three times four times you know so it's um you know it seriously needs to be to be looked at and um and 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 approached and and, and sorted out really because you know th these mistakes are just s so significant to someone's career livelihood life you know he's got a family mortgage to pay and um these things just these mistakes shouldn't and can't happen I was watching Dougie Costello. It was a very interesting interview on Sky Sports Racing. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? Yeah, he was yeah. uh, Dougie's a mainly a pretty mild-mannered guy, and he he really did come out quite critically of, of Dr. Jerry Hill. It, it was measured, but it was really quite quite critical. Did you share much of what he was he was saying? Yeah, again, um, and a lot of us are sharing the same the same views. It's you know from the saliva test to to the saunas, which are again a, a, something that seriously needs to be investigated and and, and um, considered because you know I'm quite lucky I'm, I'm actually quite light but there's a lot of guys out there that that are, are really struggling at the moment and doing weight taking weight off in 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 a way that probably isn't the safest way to do it and you know Dougie would be one of those and um, you know effectively it's 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 finishing their careers off if you need to say slide a pound off or half a pound off would you rather do that when you got to the race course, nip into the sauna, rather than trying to take it off at home or the hot bath or the car or whatever? Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're driving, say, two hours to the races isn't actually a, a long way for us than it would be for, for the normal commuter. You know, so to have to do that potentially three or four hours before you actually have to take it off, you know, why a sauna is such a bad thing? You go to a spa day and you sit in a sauna for enjoyment. So, you know, saunas aren't, uncomfortable places to be in if you're only doing the one pound or two pound to take off and and it doesn't take very very long either you can do it in 10 minutes so it's um it's fascinating to to see such a negative um to, to, to for dr j hill to have such a negative um you know thought process about saunas it's um we're all we're all very frustrated in the way i mean about it about it all I know we're we're way over on the clock, but I feel we should just dwell here a little yeah. bit, Lee, because this is a, this is going to be a very important issue, and um, we're clearly approaching some sort of a, a crisis point. Is is overstating it? We're, we're clearly approaching a crossroads as regards the chief medical officer's relationship with the with the body of jockeys. Yeah, if we if we maybe take those two subjects separately for the the, the sauna and the, the testing, if we start with the, the testing, maybe. Um, I think it's important to stress that when saliva testing came in as a trial in, in May last year, it did so with the uh, wholehearted support of the PJA, mm. and for good reasons too, because saliva well, testing... To, to, keep, to keep jockeys safe. Absolutely. Saliva testing can prevent a jockey who is intoxicated in whatever way from riding there and then, mm. which obviously urine testing can't do. Yeah. And I don't believe from speaking to, to, to jockeys, that there has been any change in their view in principle. No. That they still want saliva It's just testing. got to work, hasn't it? I think, I think the problem here, Nick, um, from how I understand it, is in the, 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 the kits used for the saliva testing. That there's maybe a lack of confidence in the, the, the procedures currently. Yeah. In, I don't know who the provider is, there's a suggestion that maybe the provider has changed over the course of the last right. 17, 18 months. If that is the case, I would imagine that what needs to happen now is the current saliva testing system needs to be halted to have some sort of uh, proper look at how it's being done and then to be reintroduced yeah. in a different way. Where we, ha where we are now isn't 
satisfactory and one would imagine that Sean Levy would have a legitimate case to take action against either the BHA or, or the, the provider. provider. Yeah. On the subject of saunas, again, w w well, whilst... Isn't, isn't the saunas thing, I'm sorry to interrupt, isn't the saunas thing, isn't it typical of many things in life post-Covid that what seemed like a good idea during the pandemic doesn't seem like such a good idea after it? Perhaps. I mean, I think you, 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 it would be entirely... Um, wrong to say that jockeys as a group were of one voice on this one because when jockeys were polled they voted to have saunas removed or be at a time when there were different issues going on about, about weights and allowances. I went to see Jamie Spencer for an interview last year he was absolutely adamant that it was a good thing that saunas had been removed but as you say times change but I think in general terms if, if you lived in an ideal world, in a perfect world, you would say, is it a good idea for someone to dehydrate before riding a horse in a sporting event? And I think most people would say probably it's not a, a perfect scenario. However, although I am, um, for that reason, naturally against saunas in principle, and we shouldn't forget they're also banned in Ireland, if jockeys are doing things that are even worse than using saunas, it's probably right the whole subject gets revisited. Yeah. So it just needs a, an, another look at uh, again. Obviously, we have gone way over time, but I felt it was very important to, to go through that. Yeah, in we should just depth. say as well, the whole, the whole sort of subject means that we should also be constantly looking at the weights that jockeys are riding at as well. Yeah, so that's something to revisit also. Um, we are going to spin through these in rapid fire time now. <laughs> Chelmsford admission. Um, Chelmsford have insisted, Lee, that no general admission for their added fixture on Thursday night was not symptomatic of a wider policy, but was just a function of circumstance. Should racing be worried or not about, about what happened? I think this became a, a story particularly because uh, it comes at a time, or not, not long after time, when there were rumours uh, that um, ARC, the arena racing company, was looking at whether it was sensible to stage meetings behind closed doors, quiet meetings on days when there weren't many people going to come racing. Now, ARC insisted they were not thinking about doing that. And of the six meetings that have been introduced into the programme as a result of meetings being cancelled because of uh, Her Majesty the Queen's death, five of those meetings are run by ARC, who, again, are going to have crowds there. You can buy tickets. Mm -hmm. non so ARC insists it's not their issue. Chelmsford um, said that the reason why the public couldn't attend as normal race goes last Thursday was because it was meeting stage at short notice and their public areas, if you like, yeah. had been taken, had been hired for a separate event. Now, to an extent, that highlights Chelmsford's problem in that it's a rarity in a racecourse without a grandstand. You can't go to Chelmsford and experience a day at the races as you would another racecourse. But pe um, people, people were saying this is a tragic day for British racing. Yeah. Overstatement or do we need to be worried? Uh, I don't think it was a tragic day for British racing because Chelmsford appeared to have a legitimate reason why they didn't let the public in on that occasion. It is the case that for some racecourses it might make commercial sense to stage meetings behind closed doors because if you're having a meeting that has only a few hundred people coming the costs of bringing them yeah. in, those people in, are not as great as the cost of paying staff. However, horse racing is now, must always be, first and foremost, an entertainment uh, industry. And if you're not bringing people in to watch the entertainment, there's no point doing it. Right, let's talk about Jim Best. He's coming back. He's sharing the li uh, licence with his wife, Susie. Uh, Jim's uh, licence, his own licence, was suspended several years ago. Are you comfortable with him coming back as a joint licensee? Uh, 
I am uh, understanding of the decision. Uh, I would be lying, Nick, if I said I read the news that Jim Best is to once again have his name on a licence and I thought, whoop-de-doo, isn't that great news for horse racing? When Jim Best was training, he was a trainer who had a reputation. Um, he was obviously uh, found guilty of, on two occasions, uh, instructing uh, or facilitating a conditional jockey to ride to lose. That is about as bad a crime as you can have uh, for a trainer outside of welfare issues. Um, there were various other issues going on around that case, which meant he actually only served six months, but until now he hasn't been able to get his name back on the licence again. Um, I always thought at the time when Jim w was training that I didn't like seeing the big name jockeys riding for him because I thought it was an association I didn't particularly like. However, although I say I don't welcome this, he has served his time. He has gone through a fair process with the licensing committee. They believe that he should have a license again, albeit with conditions. Um, and on that basis, it's hard to challenge the decision. But it's not something I'm thinking is great news. Let's move on to Mark Gillard. I haven't been following this story particularly closely, um, but he's not had his license removed for a, a, a veterinary issue, a dispute between him and the VHA. Mark Gillard is a licensed trainer who, who operates down in Dorset. He is, and he had um, a horse uh, last year at Wincanton, Nick, who suffered an injury in what sounds like a, a bizarre uh, chain of events after a horse uh, got out of the horse box and suffered a laceration. The racecourse vet at Wincanton on the day had apparently insisted to Mark Gillard that the horse should be seen by a vet, should be taken to hospital, etc. Um, that didn't happen immediately. Um, Mark Gillard carried out treatment himself. That led to a BHA investigation. The BHA felt it was a case of wider, consistent neglect with that horse. Mark Gillard's legal team very successfully argued that the treatment that Mark Gillard had carried out on the horse was the treatment that um, a vet would have carried out anyway had the horse gone to a vet. And Mark Gillard made a, a convincing case that if you look at his overall record, there were no suggestions of any equine welfare infringements. It was an interesting case because um, it was clearly one where there wasn't wider evidence that I'm aware of anyway of I say any equine welfare issues but the particular moment the BHA felt that Gillard hadn't done as a license holder was supposed to do. All right let's talk about next weekend's arc. Should we talk about the arc some more? Yeah it'd be nice from there. <laughs> <laughs> if you've just joined us um, you are going to be riding Westover in the arc next weekend. We've, we've teased this possibility of almost a maximum field how many? How much will you play the race over in your mind? Do you think? Yeah, you've got to be wait till the draw comes out and and um, full declarations are, are out. Um, but yeah, it could be could be a, a, a big field and a, a maximum field um, on a on a on a course that is um, quite unique. Um, so yeah, I mean you, you 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 have a plan in your head when you go out there, but a lot can change whilst you are out there and. Um, it's going to be a, a hugely competitive race and, um, you know, just um, excited to be part of it. And Rafe was saying yesterday the horse is in, 
is in good form. I, I sort of detected a cautious excitement in him. Is that shared around the yard? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's, he's a, you know, hugely excited for the whole yard to be associated with and, and to have him there. And he's done very well from his break, which is which is encouraging. And and he's he's I've ridden him in his last four pieces of work, and each piece of work we've just been building up to to where we are now, and um, only a week away now. So so there's nothing that we're going to do drastically at home. Um, in in the next in the next seven days six days, um, but he's in he's in good shape. So should we just remind everybody what your launch on record is? <laughs> yeah, it is one from one. Cool. So uh, in what in what type of a race? In Group One. So yeah. we've got to keep it that way. One launch on ride, one Group One, one victory, <laughs> um, and poor old Scope. Mm. That was that was so sad to lose him earlier in the year. Yeah, bless him. A, a horse that I'd, you know you know done great things for my career, giving me my first Group One. Success and um, you know sad for, for for everyone involved and the, the owners and um, and Rafe, but the team at home as well. Like he he was a horse with a great deal of character and um, you know loved by everyone everyone at the yard. So it it was a sad day and um, you know it's it's those people that you think of most because they they see him every day. Let's talk about uh, Solcombe, who was a very impressive winner at York earlier in the season, and he is heading to pastures new. Nothing new there. Good stayer sold for big money to go overseas. Australia, in his case, lead. But it's the owner um, who has, has reacted with significant criticism of British racing here. Yeah, so Solcombe, as you say, huge impressive winner of the Melrose for William Haggis at the Ebor Festival. Um, after that race, William was saying, obviously, it could be an Ebor horse for the future. He looked like he could be a group horse in the future. He is, well he raced uh, in the colours of uh, Sir Martin Arbib, uh, who of course won the ledge years ago with, with Snurge, but he was also owned by Chris Budget. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris spoke out last week after it was revealed that uh, the Budget and Arbib families had sold the majority of their interest in Solcombe to owners who will now race a horse with Chris Waller in Australia. They will retain an interest in the horse. Chris Budget was saying it was indicative of the current state of British horse racing, particularly prize money in British horse racing. And he made the point that even had Solcombe won all the races that they were thinking he might be running in, he still might not win as much as he, they, they've got for, for selling the horse. Um, he is exactly one of those horses that we are worried about at the moment. Those horses may be bordering on Group 3 class, bordering on Group 2 class, who are very attractive to international buyers. And for owners over here, because of the prize money limitations over here, the incentive to sell is that much greater. I would just qualify it, contextualise it with, with two things. There has always been this market for that sort yep. of horse in Australia. Prize money in Australia is greatly bigger than our prize money, but it's greatly bigger than Irish prize money, than bigger than most prize money. And a horse like Sulcombe will always be attracted to people who want to win Melbourne Cups or Sydney Cups or Caulfield Cups. That is not a new thing. No. Um, and the second th thing is, um, he, he will have sold for a huge amount of money. And for a lot of yards, that is a great commercial opportunity. And you, you can reinvest, reinvest. That that's the point. Um, the, the equine drain, so-called is one of the key themes of the of the Savile plan, which is one of the uh, key parts of, of what's been discussed this week in the in the BHA's strategy summit of 18 industry leaders. We're going to be talking to Julie Harrington 
a little bit later. We'll also be uh, welcoming Peter Savile to the to the studio. Um, before we do, Lee, just tee up whether you think that this is going to make a significant difference to the way that British racing is is governed. I don't know. Um, the problem is at the moment we don't know a lot about what is actually going to be done. I think from what we can say after the what we've learned from the two days of talks with these senior British racing industry leaders is that it's a case of so far so good but what we know so far is not very much. They, they came out with a statement uh, after the talks ended on Wednesday to say that all those present had agreed that the sport needs to undergo significant changes. They use words like radical, uh, they use words like innovative, they said they believe the sport has to be uh, presented and promoted in a different way. So all the talk suggested that they want to make meaningful change and that they have agreed that they need to work together to make that happen. They listed off a series of areas where they believe change should come. Most of those were like, well, it, it's obvious that this area needs to be under investigation. So I don't think we, we learned a lot after Tuesday and Wednesday's talks, but we learned that we are moving in the right direction and therefore that has to be positive. Um, those were this week's talking points.